up, everyone? Thank you for tuning into Tethered, a podcast dedicated to helping followers of Jesus stay connected to Him day by day. My prayer for this episode is that it would encourage you, challenge you, and propel you to abide more deeply in Jesus. I hope you're encouraged by this episode. Let's jump right on in. What's up, everyone? Once again, this is your host, Joey Morales. I really appreciate you listening to episodes here on Tethered. If you've been impacted in any way by these episodes, please subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date on when episodes drop, and please share with your friends and family on social media however you share things. I would really appreciate it. This is Season 2 of the podcast, dedicated to helping you understand your purpose for your life calling, how to stay tethered to Jesus moment by moment, day by day in your life calling, and walking away encouraged to live your life on mission, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. In this episode, I'm having a conversation with a lawyer who lives her life on mission for Jesus in a law firm in Omaha, Nebraska. She is the sibling of someone who has been on this podcast before. I'm excited to be chatting with Bemexi, our guest, about how she stayed tethered to Jesus in order to live her life on mission as a lawyer. Without further ado, here's the conversation I had with Bemexi. What's going on, Vimexi? It is so good to have you today on Tethered. I'm excited to be speaking to you about how you live your life on mission as a lawyer. So how are you doing today? Hi, Joey. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. I'm excited to talk to you about this. Awesome. It's exciting to have you on. So dear listener, if you uh, listened to season one, there was an episode that was titled Just Abide. And Just Abide was done with one of my best friends, dear brother and faithful follower of the Lord, Alfredo. This who I have today, the person that I have on today is his sister. The Mexico is the Chavez. And so really am honored to have her on. She is a lawyer who lives in Omaha, Nebraska. So, um, but it's so good to have her here on the podcast to chat about what she does and how she does it in terms of like spreading the good news of Jesus where she's at as a result of her staying tethered to or abiding in Jesus. So Vemexi, great to have you on. So let me ask you some introductory questions here. So obviously introduce yourself. What do you do besides being a lawyer? Which is the most interesting law you've heard of? And then just three fun facts about you. Okay. So first of all, thank you so much, Joey, for having me on. I am excited about being on the podcast just because I feel like it's a great opportunity to be able to share uh, just what the Lord has done. Uh, I think it's really sweet and encouraging whenever you hear testimonies and you hear how the Lord has worked in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so I'm mm-hmm. just excited for the opportunity um, that you gave me to be able to share that with others. So thank you, Joy. Yeah. It's um, so let's see. So my name, obviously already, <laughs> you already said my name, Vimexi. What do I do besides being a lawyer? Um, that's a good question. I would say the thing that I do the most, like most of my free time, I would say is, 
probably taken up doing things um, within the church. And so, yeah, so I'm just, I'm very active in meeting with a group of believers here in Omaha. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and we, we call ourselves just the church in Omaha. And we model that off of uh, basically the, um, the epistles, Paul's epistles in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Whenever he addressed, uh, whenever he addressed the saints, he would say, to a, to, so whenever he addressed the saints, in other words, believers to a, in a certain city, he would say to the church in Philippi. Mm-hmm. And so, or for example, if, if he was writing the book of Philippians, which he did, and then um, so on and so forth. So that is why um, the church I meet with, why we call ourselves just the church in Omaha. Mm-hmm. Um and so I am very involved with that. Um, other things that I like to do is I love to be active. I love being outside. I love being on the ocean, the beach. Um, it's always like a joke whenever people say like, oh, I love long walks on the beach, but I actually love long walks on the beach. Oh, <laughs> that's, one of my, that's one of my favorite things to do in the whole world is just, yeah, walk walk on the beach. I love that. And hearing the ocean. Um yeah, I love the ocean. Everything about the ocean. Yeah, didn't you just get back from a cruise at the time we we're recording this podcast? Yes, yes. Um, so a few family members and I, we went with uh, Afraito. I call him Afraito, my brother. He also went. Uh, we went on a, I think it was a five-day cruise. And then we hit some islands in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And it was super beautiful. Oh, I bet. And yeah, I, if you ever get the chance to go to Grand Cayman, the water is just crystal clear. It's gorgeous. Mm, that's awesome. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. So which is the most interesting law that you've heard of? I mean, I got to ask a lawyer this because there's some interesting laws out there. <laughs> and so I'm just curious to know from your perspective, what would you say is the law. most, like I've heard of a few, I can share my mine after you share yours. Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't know, like the most interesting law. So I, I practice immigration law. So that's obviously the type of law I'm exposed to on a daily basis. And I'm just trying to think, immigration law what is the most interesting oh man that is really hard i don't know i mean so i specifically practice asylum law and it's fascinating to me um i think so the 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 hardest thing to prove in asylum law is you have to prove that you were persecuted in other words that you have suffered a severe kind of harm Mm -hmm. because because of one of five reasons Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to list, I'm not going to listen right now. I'll spare you that. But basically like that, it's really interesting because the whole case revolves around showing why you were harmed because of one of those five reasons or showing why you will be harmed because one of those five reasons. And so that to me is super interesting, just like basic asylum law. Um, it's mm-hmm. in the Immigration and Nationality Act. And so, I mean, that's what I practice on a daily basis. So I have to say that's the most interesting to me. That is a very interesting law. Well, yeah. uh, wow. They have to prove you're, you're being persecuted. That's it's interesting. I know for me, like um, the most interesting law I've ever heard, and I don't know if this is still a law, but mm-hmm. in Oklahoma, whaling is illegal. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. I just said whaling is illegal in Oklahoma. The thing is, is there an ocean in Oklahoma? Yeah, not many, not very many places where you're going to find whales. Yeah, Oklahoma. and so that's the most interesting law I've ever heard of. And then um, I can think of, I can't think of others right now, but that's the most interesting one I've ever heard. And so, yeah, thanks for sharing that. And then just three fun facts about you. Three fun facts. Yes. Okay. 
Okay. So number one, my favorite sport is volleyball. Let's go. I love to play volleyball. Oh my gosh, it is so fun. I love it. Um, let's see. Number two is I really want to start boxing. I oh. did. Yeah, I did boxing. And when I say boxing, not like competitively, like in a ring fighting somebody, but just like learning the moves first and maybe like just being with somebody with the gloves out. Right. And mm-hmm. just like learning to like roll and stuff. Cause I did do that, um, mm-hmm. for a little bit and it was so fun. Mm-hmm. So that's um, kind of one of the things that like, I really want to do in terms of like a hobby that I really want to get into is that. Mm-hmm. And let's see the, what was the third fun fact about me? Um, I guess, I guess this is kind of a fun fact. It's also a little bit more on the professional side. So it's not that fun, but I realized that I really enjoy like mentoring other people and teaching other people. And, um, I taught a course on immigration law at the university of Nebraska, Omaha this past semester. And, um, it was a lot of work and I was pretty exhausted this semester, but I loved teaching. So, um, that was something that, um, I kind of knew that I liked mentoring people, but Mm -hmm. just kind of reinforced it. That's really cool that you get a chance to not just practice, but also teach others how to, you know, practice law. So that is really cool that you have that as a fun fact, especially since you enjoy mentoring and teaching. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you again, again, for just coming on the Tethered. And I'm excited to just be chatting with you again. And so let me ask you just some questions about your life story. So what exactly is your story? How did you come to faith in Jesus? And Femexi, what was it like for you when you fully understood the gospel for yourself? Hmm. Okay, so what is my story? Um, okay, so obviously we, we're getting right to the heart of, right, this is a Christian podcast, and we're getting right to the heart of this. Like, I would say 100% my story. Um, I have to frame it around the Lord, because mm. this is just this is just around, this is just my understanding of my life, right? This is my framework for how I see life Mm -hmm. and how I see my life is the Lord. So, um, what is my story? So I'll, so I'm going to, I'm going to say it from that perspective. Um, so I did grow up in a Christian household and I went to a Christian school, uh, my whole life. I went to a Lutheran school and, um, I, you know, we, it was a Lutheran school. So every week we had chapel. We always heard the word of God. Um, I went to mission trips. Um, you know, I did all that throughout high school, uh, or I'm sorry, I did that throughout elementary school, middle school, and also throughout high school. Um, how I came to faith in the Lord. I, I can't really say I know exactly when I received the Lord, like when I prayed and I asked the Lord to um, come into my heart. I don't, I can't, I mean, there's a few experiences I have, but I'm not sure, you know, how genuine they were, but I would say that my senior year in high school was when I felt like I started noticing the Lord. Um, Mm. so like I said, I had gone to a Christian school, so I, um, had always heard about the Lord, but I never had, I never had a personal relationship with the Lord. I had never read the Bible for myself. I was in chapel, all of this, but it never meant anything to me. Um, yeah, it, it meant nothing to me. Um, I did not have a personal relationship with the Lord. So it was my last year of high school. I just remember my English teacher, she would start out every morning because my first period was English. She Mm -hmm. would start out every morning reading a chapter of the Bible. And I remember one morning she read Romans. And I remember just being really touched because I thought it was poetry. I thought she was reading from a poetry book. 
Hmm. Um, because I thought I, I just thought it was so beautiful and I was like, wow, this is beautiful. You know, I didn't realize how beautiful the Bible was for whatever reason. It like really touched me that day. And, um, that year I just had a few experiences where I actually prayed, like where I actually had like a little conversation with the Lord. Um, that was the first time I ever really had that was my senior year in high school. So I was about 18. And, um, yeah, so that was, that was how I came to faith in the Lord. It, it was really that year where I felt like the Lord became real to me, but it was very sporadic. Like I said, this was, maybe I had like three little experiences, um, where I remember, oh, wow, the Lord's real, you know, and I want to, I want to pray a little bit. Like, yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing your story there briefly. You know, it's really cool that in your story, you mentioned that you've been exposed to it, but at the same time, like it really started clicking for you when you're in high school. And that's awesome that, you know, through the reading of scripture, that's how the Lord revealed himself to you. So it's just really cool how you came to faith and, you know, I'm really glad that now it's, you know, produced a lot of fruit in your life that you're able to pour that out into others. And, you know, I know in my interactions with you, you've been the type of person that's just full of the spirit, ready to like praise the Lord in every moment. And I just absolutely love that. And so it's really cool that, you know, your family has raised you to be who you are today and they got to play in part of uh, helping you come to understand fully who the Lord is. And that's exciting to, you know, that you've gotten a chance to experience this. So yeah, thanks for sharing your story. Right. I think I, sorry, I realized I left. (laughs) So that's how I began my life with the Lord. Right. I would say that was the very beginning but I should probably add, like, I love the Lord very much now. Like, it doesn't mean I, so in it, anyways, I feel like I left a really big part out. I'm now 30 years old. So obviously mm-hmm. a lot has happened within the past mm-hmm. 12 years. Um, so is it okay if I go ahead and share a little bit more? Yeah, of course. Okay. So just so I can share a little bit more about how my relationship with the Lord deepened. So, um, okay. So now high school is over and I went to community college And, um, after community college, I did, I went to university of Missouri, Kansas city, and I joined a Christian club, um, at that campus. And, um, it was really through that Christian club and it was through a Bible study I was having with two women. It was actually Mm -hmm. a mother and a daughter. I was having Bible study with them on a weekly basis. Um, this would have been my sophomore year of college and, um, that Bible study for whatever reason, I, I just really enjoyed it. And, um, it wasn't even so much the content of the Bible, but I remember feeling, I felt they were very wise and I felt that they, I just felt like I could trust them. And that really opened up my heart to the Lord, I think was those two women, uh, really shepherding me and taking care of me and just, Mm -hmm. just being there for me and like being able to ask practical questions as to how, how, like, I would just ask practical questions as to how what they thought about me doing something, you know, they wouldn't necessarily tell me what to do, but they would just, their advice was just always very, uh, wise. And Mm -hmm. that really, that really touched me. And so, um, that year, uh, I did, uh, make the choice to get baptized. And so, Mm. um, I got baptized, I think I was 19 or 20. So it was my sophomore year in college. So yeah, I was either 19 or 20 years old, but it was that year. And I would say that for me, is kind of like my way to mark that that was like my new life in Christ. I felt like that was a good beginning for me. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I look back at that and I really feel like that was, it was a new beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah. And then ever since then, I have just been, um, trying to follow the Lord and just trying to enjoy the Lord and love him. And, um, sometimes failing, sometimes having successes, but you know, but just, just learning to live with the Lord, which we're, we're going to learn throughout our whole life. Right. Oh, hundred percent. Yes. Amen. Well, thanks for sharing your story again and just elaborating more on like the involvement in college ministry. And it's really cool how the Lord used that to help bring you to himself. And, you know, you responded in obedience by being baptized to show, you know, publicly who you are as a new creation in Christ. And so that's awesome that in the years since then, you've been growing in your faith. So that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So... Here's my next question for you. So now we're going to talk about just your role as a immigration lawyer. So I know that's a, you know, very important job, especially in, you know, today's society where, you know, there's a lot of people wanting to come to the U.S. to, you know, maybe escape persecution in their countries. And, you know, sometimes it's difficult for them to, you know, do that in a, you know, the process of that is difficult, mm-hmm. but maybe like, go ahead and just share about what caused you to develop an interest in being a lawyer and what was that process like in studying to become a lawyer? Yeah. So I became interested in becoming a lawyer. This is really silly. Like it's really minor, but in high school, my government class, I remember two little things. I remember in my government class, I read the word jurisdiction and I kid you not, for whatever reason, I read that word and I was like, I want to be in law after I literally, that's the only, I literally just read that word. And I was like, I want to be in law. And then I had, um, yeah, also in government class, I remember, I can't, I can't tell you the topic. I can't exactly remember, but I remember I was interested in the topic and I asked a question to the teacher about this topic. And he basically, he basically like applauded me saying that like, it was a very insightful question. And those two things were like why I became interested in law. (laughs) So two very little things. But, um, after that, um, I remember my mom took me to, uh, like a, like a little event over the weekend for high school students where we would go to the law school. Um, and I think it was called like, so you think you want to be a lawyer or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was like a full day thing. We went to the law school and, you know, I, so I was just doing stuff like that to see if I liked it, but I just kind of kept pursuing it, um, ever since then. Um, and let's see, how did I get into immigration law specifically was during law school. I think it was my second year in law school. Maybe I think it was my second year in law school. Um, I got a few internships at immigration firms. Um, but the first one I got an internship in, they, they actually stuck me on the business immigration law side of things, which is what I did not want to do because it's a bunch of paperwork and you don't get to interact with clients. So Mm -hmm. I really did not like it at all. But at the very end, because I asked and I pretty much begged, they um, let me start working with um, kids and specifically unaccompanied kids who um, come from really all over the world. Um, but they're escaping whatever, right? They, they may have been abused, abandoned, or neglected by one or both parents. Maybe they're escaping persecution, but basically they're coming to the United States for humanitarian reasons. And, um, they had a grant to represent these kids and they allowed me to start working with them. And, um, 
as I was doing that, I realized how much I loved working with them. Um, most, a lot of them were Spanish speaking. So I loved the fact that I could use my language skills. I loved the person to person contact, um, being able to be with the clients and Mm -hmm. just that personal interaction. Um, and yeah. And then, but still put legal skills to use, uh, you know, understanding the law and understanding what questions I need to ask in order to find out if they're eligible for something Mm -hmm. that was, I really, really enjoyed that. So it was after that experience where I knew like, Oh, 100%, I really want to do immigration law. Like I didn't know it was going to work out 100%. Mm -hmm. Um, I was 100% certain it was going to work out, but I knew that's, I wanted to pursue that at least, um, until I found out that, you know, maybe that wasn't the path the Lord had for me, or maybe it was and apparently it was because here I am. Let's go. That's awesome. Wow. I'm sure it was a process to become an immigration lawyer because you probably had to do a lot of schooling and a lot of prep work, which, you know, I've heard law school is not exactly easy. I have a mm-hmm. friend named uh, Taylor who recently went through law school and it was mm-hmm. difficult for her. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I can I can't even imagine like just all the terms and processes you had to learn in order to I mean it's even over my head just even talking about it now because I'm not a lawyer I'm not a lawyer but <laughs> but I'm sure it was hard but I mean it sounds like your confidence and faith in the Lord helped you navigate that and like what what Jesus came to do is to help the least of these and you get a chance to help children people who you know they have nowhere else to turn and you get to do that right. by representing them in the legal system so they can be able to be here in the United States or how, right. yeah. So that's awesome that you get a chance to do that. And so that's actually where I want to transition to in that right. next is um, what exactly like your day to day job looks like as you're practicing law. Um, like what what does that look like as far as like your daily task? If you're okay with sharing that challenges you have while working it, and then just things that you enjoy most about working as a lawyer and why? Mm, yeah, those are good questions. <laughs> it looks like the way I like to break it up, and they will um, in law school. This is kind of how they break it up too, because this is how you read case law. And this is just in my mind, this is what a lawyer does in my mind, um, is number one, you're gathering facts. So Mm -hmm. you're talking to the client about their story, about their situation. You're gathering evidence. Um, you're, so you're having client meetings in person, you're having phone conversations, uh, like I said, gathering evidence. So you're talking to witnesses or in my case, um, in, like I said, I practice asylum law mostly. And so we don't have a lot of witnesses because uh, the witnesses are in the home country, not in the mm-hmm. United States, but um, I'm talking to them to get evidence for a trial. Um, so that's kind of the gathering the facts aspect. And that's what, um, yeah, that's a big part of being a lawyer is gathering the facts. Um, the second part of being a lawyer is knowing, understanding, researching the law. And so, um, basically it's like studying. Like mm-hmm. if I don't understand how a certain law applies to my client, I have to research the case law. I have to find out, um, the cases that are in the jurisdiction that I practice in. What, what, what are the judges saying in my jurisdiction about this? And then, um, the other part, uh, which is the most important part and the hardest part 
is you're strategizing how your client's facts can best fit the law. So for example, like I said, if, if my, if I, if I want my client to apply for asylum, if I think that, if I think they may be eligible for asylum, then I'm taking the facts of my client's case and I am trying to strategize, um, how to present those facts in a way that it would meet the law of asylum. And so, um, that takes a lot of analysis that takes a lot of analysis because you're, you know, I'm, I'm analyzing their facts from different angles how, how, and then I'm also thinking, how can I present this in the, mo- in the most persuasive way? How can the client, how can I coach the client to tell their story um, in a way that's authentic to them, uh, but still making sure that the facts are coming out, the, the important facts are coming out so that the judge or the adjudicator, the person making the decision will realize that this person is indeed eligible for asylum. Oh. And so that is basically what I do. And, um, yeah, I think that was the question. I, I, th- I think you might have asked more than just that question, but I can't remember right now. No, that's great. Thanks for sharing like what exactly you do. That's a lot of work, it sounds like, just doing all that. Studying, analyzing, and trying to just figure out how to best keep the law, but also help your client in his or her situation. And yeah, your role is very important because you could be you know, the key to helping this person, you know, find freedom here in the States from, Mm -hmm. you know, the persecution that they're facing. And it just reminds me of like what Christ has come to do for us is, um, you know, Christ has come to set us free from the bondage of sin. And, you know, it's easy for us to, you know, fall into the trap of the so-called keeping the law, even though we cannot keep the law. And I know this has nothing to do with like your role, but it, it kind of plays in a similar way where, you know, we're also wanting help and only Jesus came to fulfill the law. And so, right. and, you know, the facts are there in the scriptures since so I can just see the kind of the spiritual, like tying to this as well, because you're essentially helping people become free. Right. Right. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. And I think one thing, a verse that I've always enjoyed and, um, because I, you know, because I am an attorney, this is why I enjoy this, but I think it's in first, second or third John. It's in one of the Johns first, second or third John, where it says, um, that we have an advocate above and he advocates for us in front of the father. And it doesn't, mm. that's not a direct quote, but it says, but I, I do know it says, and we do have an advocate for a mm. And so it's always really sweet whenever we think of like, the Lord is up there. Um, the Lord is on the throne fighting for us. Mm. Whenever, whenever we're, whenever we make a mistake, whenever we sin and mm-hmm. we ask for forgiveness, we confess our sins. That's in, that's in first John. If we mm-hmm. confess our sins, God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse mm-hmm. us from all unrighteousness. The Lord is up there advocating for us, reminding the father that he paid for the sin, that his blood was shed mm-hmm. and um, justifying us. Mm. And this verse just always has encouraged me um, because we I, that's part of why I really love being a lawyer is because you get you get a little bit of a fight. Right. You can I, I fight my opposing counsel. <laughs> you know, through in trial, right. Not like physically fight, but there's a little yeah. bit, of, there's, a, there's a fight. And, um, that's part of why I like it. I like the fighting aspect of it. Also why I like boxing. 
Um, <laughs> but anyway, but this is this is what the Lord does for us, and so it's very encouraging. We have our own. We have our own attorney. We have our own advocate. I love how you said that. That is so encouraging. Yeah. It's First John 2. Um, it says, my dear children, I write this to you so you will not sin. But anything does, anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. And so like you just said, that is so encouraging. I'm really glad you said that. We have a an and an advocate in heaven who became sin for us. So we didn't have right. to, we didn't have to be punished for that. And so mm-hmm. I love that you tied that to the attorney aspect. Like you get to be an advocate for these people and it yeah. and it allows you to show them that they can meet their true attorney per se. Right. I love yeah. that. That is so cool. Thank That's, you, Joey. Thanks. That is fire. Okay. So <laughs> the, the next two questions in kind of tying this section is, what are some challenges that you've encountered um, about working as a, a lawyer? And then also, what are some things that you enjoy most? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see some challenges. I would say um, there's a lot, uh, just like, not just, I mean, I'm sure anybody with any profession, there's a lot of challenges, right? Especially mm-hmm. if you're the type of person that wants to grow and learn, there's going to be challenges because that's how you grow and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would say one challenging thing is, uh, like I mentioned earlier about the application of the uh, law to the facts. That's always the hardest part because it's the analysis. That's really like the nitty gritty of what a lawyer does. A lawyer is looking at your situation and advising you based on their knowledge of the law mm-hmm. um, and using the law to help you. And that analysis, that application of the law is hard sometimes um, just because it's just, that's, it's just a rigorous analysis. Um, so that is very challenging to me when I'm having to write. Uh, I remember reading a book one time and uh, it's, it was a book on writing and it says to write well is to think clearly. Mm-hmm. And this, I think just kind of encapsulates um, the analysis, right? It's just like, you really have to get your thoughts in order. You really have to organize your argument. You have to understand in order to be able to argue it. And also usually almost always we have to write it on paper, which is very hard to get on paper, Mm -hmm. let alone get your analysis down on paper, but then trying to make it persuasive and convince the judge or the adjudicator that your client does deserve this benefit. So that's the hardest part. Um, the other hard part, um, I would say is, uh, just learning your, uh, as an immigration lawyer, I do, I only practice family-based immigration law and humanitarian based immigration law and, uh, learning my own boundaries as to when it's time for me to like, just take a step back because we do hear very traumatizing stories, um, just because it's humanitarian work. Um, so yeah just uh, learning when it's time to maybe take the afternoon off or something like that. And just, it's just an ongoing process, right? Just taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say the thing I love most about it is I love being with the clients. Uh, absolutely. I, I really love my job because I feel like it, it pushes me to grow and learn in pretty much every area. But I would say the part that I really enjoy is um, definitely being with the clients and showing Christ's love, even if I may, even if not may, I, I really can't, you know, sit there and preach the gospel to them um, because that's not my job. And sometimes they're from different faith backgrounds. And sometimes maybe even the reason they're fleeing is because of their faith. So it's not 
really appropriate for me to preach the gospel um, to my clients. But uh, when the Lord reminds me to pray for them um, and or even just if I'm interacting with them to turn to, to just have a little conversation with the Lord that the Lord would speak through me. Now mm-hmm. that's an ongoing process. I need to do that a lot more, but I, I love being able to show compassion to others and to show love um, because you feel like you're serving someone and there's something very fulfilling about the, about a sense of like purpose and service. I, mm-hmm. I just think that inherently that's what the Lord wants us to do, right? He wants us to serve others. And so it is very served um, your clients and you know, and you actually care for them and you know that it's the Lord in you that cares for them. Mm. Uh, that is the one here. So you're like, wow, Lord, the Lord right now through me is taking care of this person. And mm. um, that's very fulfilling. Hey, Amen. That's great. Well, I just appreciate you sharing that. I'm sure it's hard to, you know, deal with the, you know, traumatizing stories that you've heard. I'm sure you've heard a number of just really difficult situations that your clients face. And I'm just glad that you can just be there to weep with them, to, you know, be like Paul challenged us to, you know, just weep with those who weep. So, and, you know, that itself will showcase the gospel through your action, even though like you may not be able to, you know, directly preach the gospel, but you're essentially Mm -hmm. showcasing the love that Christ has for people through, you know, just weeping with them, having compassion, just like Jesus had compassion on the crowds, you know, especially, you know, as they, you know, were led without it. They were sheep without a shepherd. And so that's essentially what you're doing is you're just being there for your clients, just to help them navigate just these really difficult situations. I'm sure with a lot of the recent things that's been happening in the world, it's like people just need to know that, you know, someone cares. It really comes down to that simple fact. And I'm just glad that in your job as a lawyer, um, you get a chance to, be a conduit of care for your clients. And so that's awesome, Bimexi. Thanks for uh, sharing that. We'll be back after a brief break. Hey, what's up, everyone? We really appreciate you listening to episodes here on Tethered. If you've been impacted in any way by these episodes, please subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date on when episodes drop. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, will you please consider rating this podcast in your favorite podcasting app? Please leave us a comment. Finally, please share this podcast with your friends and family on social media or however you share things. We would really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Tethered. Now back to the episode. Right. Yeah, of course. And I think one thing, like regardless of what profession you're in, one thing that I think I want to practice this more, I do this when I know, when I know that I have a client that's in particularly like a rough situation is to actually take the time to pray for them. Even if Mm. it's five or 10 minutes, not necessarily like if you're in a, you know, not necessarily when you're with them, but to maybe like write it down. And whenever, um, you're alone or for me, sometimes it's hard for me to pray alone. Sometimes I have to call somebody and ask to pray with them. Mm -hmm. But just to be intentional about praying for them 
And obviously I have client confidentiality, so I can't disclose names if I'm yeah, praying, sure. if I'm praying with somebody else, but the Lord knows them and they're on my heart. And so we can, I think that anybody in any profession, we can do that with the people we interact with. Um, it's hard to preach the gospel. Um, I think, be, well, it shouldn't be hard. It should be easy, but it's hard because you are really exposing yourself to ridicule to a lot of things, right? Or at least are, at least that's what sometimes I think is going to happen, even though it may not necessarily happen. But one thing that we can do is we can pray for them. Yeah. And, hey. um, yeah. Pray for their salvation, pray for the particular situation that you know they're in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, which uh, actually leads me to this next question. I'm actually putting this question kind of a little bit more up because you mentioned earlier that, Sometimes after dealing with some really difficult conversations, those traumatizing ones, you just need time to yourself to have space to clear your head. And so here's my next question. Um, so this podcast is called Tethered. And so the reason I call it that is because it's a way of saying connected to Jesus, tethering yourself to the Lord mm-hmm. in terms of like abiding. And so right. how do you, Vimexi, stay tethered to Jesus as you're working in this field, but also just in general, um, cause I'm sure like in some of those circumstances, it can be so traumatizing to hear some of these stories is like, Whoa, man, mm-hmm. that's like, how do you stay put together? If that makes sense. And how do you cling to Jesus during that time? Yeah. Um, okay. Just practically speaking, I've, this is just me. This is how I process things. If there was, if there is something that's really traumatizing or it just triggers me for whatever reason, uh, just talking about it with another person does a Mm. lot. Mm. Uh, just being able to just open up to somebody and being like, Hey, that was really hard. And doing Mm. it with like, and if you feel like you have to cry, like you can cry in front of that person, like having safe people to where you can do that Mm. with that helps a lot. That's like, so on the practical side, that's, that's the thing that's helped me most is talking about it Hmm. um, with somebody who cares. Um, And how do I stay connected to Jesus? I think I have just real, I've realized a lot more recently how, um, how much I don't talk to the Lord in my daily life. Hmm. I, it's very easy to, um, it's just very easy to compartmentalize to, um, you know, for whatever reason, uh, not to bring the Lord into our daily life or into our work life. And I've just realized that my work life, if I'm being honest, uh, a lot of the times there's not, there's hardly any prayer. Hmm. Right. And, and I don't mean prayer. Like you get, you know, like when you pray at home, it's different, right. Cause we're working. But even like just a little, a little prayer to the Lord, a little conversation, like even just calling just a little call, like, Oh Lord, I need you right now. Those little prayers are in my, I think that's what keeps you connected to the Lord because yeah. it, it, because it keeps you depending on him. Hmm. And, um, I've only had a few experiences where, I mean, I'm sure I've had more as we all believers, you know, maybe we don't realize all the times that we've had like successes, but one time in particular that I'm remembering, um, I remember I was working one day and for whatever reason, I just had this sense of a little bit of competition in me, 
Like I wanted to be better, I but not just be better in like a, you know, in like a learning, growing, holy, righteous way. But like I wanted to be better than the next person. I wanted to show that I was smarter, that I knew what I was talking about. Basically, it almost like a climbing the ladder thing. Hmm. And I could feel, I could feel it in my heart, like oh, I I wanted to be something. And I remember just a, I just having a little prayer. Uh, I don't even remember what I prayed, but just like Lord. Oh, I remember what I prayed. I said something like, Lord, this doesn't define me. My, my ability, my, you know, my intelligence, whatever, my, how good I am at immigration law, that doesn't define me. Hmm. You define me. Hmm. And that little conversation turned my heart to the Lord. Hmm. And I was able to start working again without that kind of feeling that I needed to be somebody. Hmm. And, um, yeah, I think those are, in my opinion, I feel like those are the experiences that I want to have more often. I don't feel like I have them enough. And those are the experiences that I think keep us abiding in the Lord, those little conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's so good because I know like a lot of people believe that you have to do these long types of prayers in order to abide but sometimes you know when paul says pray without ceasing he's not ex- saying you have to be in constant 24 7 prayer mm-hmm. you just you just said it so well it's just having those little times where you just talk to the lord in terms of like lord i need you right lord, help me get home safely right lord help me not you know, cut this person off in traffic. Lord, right. help me just do this job faithfully. Right. Because I can't do it. I think yes. that is that is a very essential practical way of staying tethered or connected to Jesus. It's right. just by having those, you know, small tidbit conversations with God. And mm-hmm. so that's good. I'm glad that you said that. And then, um, you know, I'm really glad as well that, you know, you've recognized that you don't always do that perfectly. And it's okay to, you know, admit that to the Lord. And, and I'm actually speaking to you, dear listener, like, it's okay to be honest with God about, you know, not exactly doing things the way he, you know, calls you to do them, because that's what his grace is for. Like, you have mm-hmm. his grace that will shower over you if you just come to him honestly. And sometimes that takes place in those small tidbit conversations. That's that's really encouraging, uh, Bamexi, that you said that. And so yeah. thank you for sharing that. And so here's my uh, next question. We're transitioning here. And so you've already spoken about like how your role as a lawyer looks like as you're working. And so if you're okay with sharing, like, what is it like to actually share your faith in a workplace, like let's say with your coworkers, um, how would you describe the spiritual climate in your workplace? And then is it difficult to share the gospel with your coworkers? Maybe speak about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the gospel, I, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I would say I don't really share much about my faith with people at the workplace. I think people generally know. Um, just by little comments that they make, I know that they know. Um, but I, I would say the people that I'm close with, especially so like the people on my team, 
they for sure know I'm a Christian, especially there's a few people on my team that I'm a mm-hmm. little bit closer to than others. They, I've, I have opened up to them about, um, my faith in the Lord and how it's very important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the way it's come up is whenever someone has just asked, Hey, what are you going to do this weekend? And just being honest and like, Oh, well, I'm going to church conference on Saturday, you know, or somebody asking like, Hey, are you free to do X, Y, Z on Thursday? And being like, well, actually I help out with the Bible study at university of Nebraska, Omaha. I help out with the Bible study there on Thursday. So I can't. So then that kind of sparks a conversation. Um, but it's usually pretty, so that's how it's come up, but it's usually, um, yeah, it's just kind of, it's like that. I can't say that I've necessarily been able to share something in depth, um, with people. There's a few people I can think of right now where I have been able to share a little bit, um, Mm -hmm. about basically like Christ and the church, how, you know, the Lord is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. I've, I know I shared that semi recently. Um, but yeah, I think the spiritual climate, this is my perception of it, is um, immigrants' rights and immigration law in general, uh, for the most part, is um, more of a maybe liberal agenda. Hmm. So a lot of people, they don't have traditional Christian values. I do know, I know that for a fact. Um, they're more of the, uh, viewpoint of just, just more liberal, right? So more progressive values leaning left. And, um, so I, it's not like I'm going to hear people a lot saying like, Oh, you know, Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's, that's not really going to come up. Um, I will say I do, I do have like a handful of coworkers that are Christian and Catholic and, um, you know, they're, they're open about it. They're vocal about it. Um, but yeah, I would say generally it's not a Christian environment. Um, it's a very diverse group where I work at because we have people literally from all over the world that work at our organization. So different faith backgrounds, different languages, different cultures, different religions. Um, so it's not a Christian environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say one thing I did do, and this took a lot of courage for me, uh, but I did put a verse, like I have like a whiteboard in my, in my office and I have, I have like maybe two, I think I have three verses in my office. Yeah. And I do have a verse on my whiteboard and, um, basically it's a verse and it's a verse in Spanish and, and, and the Lord says, I think it's Matthew six where the Lord says, like, um, if, you know, if the flowers of the field, they're here today and tomorrow they're cast into the furnace, mm-hmm. how much more will he not clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Hmm. And, um, which kind of gets towards our anxiety, right. Which I feel mm-hmm. really helps me because I get very anxious at work sometimes. And I think mm-hmm. it's also sure. very relatable. So that's kind of also my way of, of, of sharing, but yeah, that's that's kind of a little bit about the gospel and, and my workplace. Yeah, I like what you said, too, about, like, just, like, how it, like, those kind of gospel seeds, um, like, they come up in those conversations with your coworkers. Like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? I'm mm-hmm. going to church. Like, that in itself is, like, opening up the door to be able mm-hmm. to have conversations with your coworkers. Like, hey, this is what I believe in there. 
you know, it sounds like they're interested in listening. And so that's actually really encouraging that to set that because a lot of people will work in a corporate type of environment, um, like a office setting or, you know, a setting where they're doing construction or they're doing some sort of engaging with other people on a team. And one of the best ways, dear listener, for you as you're listening to Vimexi share about how she gets a chance to be on mission in her workplace in the attorney's office is that she just has casual conversations with her coworkers about what she's doing this Sunday. Like, for example, like, let's say if you get asked by a coworker, like, hey, let's call you Bob. Hey, Bob, what are you doing this Sunday? Oh, I'm going to church. That's right. a, that is a great way to segue into a gospel conversation. Like, right. Who knows what the Lord will do that, through that conversation and that in itself plants seeds. And so my encouragement to you, dear listeners, to continue to have, you know, again, those tidbit conversations about, you know, what you do um, on your weekends. And because a lot of people will probably expect you to say, like, hey, I'm going to go party this weekend. But mm -hmm. like, because you're in Christ, like mm -hmm. you live differently. Mm -hmm. And that's awesome that you you get a chance to do that and then posting the verses too. That's awesome. It get it maybe people walk by I'm like that those words. Like those are great words. Right. You know, they, yeah. it, it draws curiosity. Right. Yeah, and I think the way I've always looked at it is in terms of like the gospel, I've always looked at it how it's important to have relationships with people. It's important to have friendships um, because I just have in the back of my mind, like um, I want to be this person's friend and I want to be this person's, you know, and I want to have a relationship with this person. And because I, first of all, I want them to see Christ through me. And then mm -hmm. second of all, I want them to, because of the way I live, hopefully there's a testimony. And so if they're going through something or if they're ever curious they would be willing to open up to me and mm. I could maybe share something. But if you don't have um, that kind of equity with somebody, like if mm -hmm. you don't have that kind of relationship with someone, they, it may not have that much impact on them. Um, but that's one thing I think that's really important. And um, another thing I think is very important is praying for specific people by name and praying consistently I'm not going to say who this was specifically, but I had a person recently in my life where we actually started to become really good friends, not at work, but um, outside of work, but in my daily life, we started to become really good friends. And I realized um, that part of the reason was because um, the I had asked a few of the people of the church that I meet with to start praying for us. And they were praying that even our relationship would be cultivated for the gospel. Hmm. And because we're so, because we're starting to get like pretty close, we spend a good amount of time together. It's very natural for me to share about the Lord and she's very open. And it's not like some forced thing. Like it's just a relationship and I'm able to just share like, Hey, I love the Lord. And I, you know, I invited her to a church conference or it was a church outing and she loved it, but that really came through prayer and, um, and even specific prayers that the Lord would cultivate the friendship. And he really has. And it's because we're such good friends, like she's, she's there for me too, able to be there for me too. So I'm able to open up to her. And, um, because we kind of have that mutuality, I'm able to be very genuine and honest about my faith. 
And, um, that's a way to encourage her. And then her being there for me is a way to encourage me, but that really all came about by prayer. Mm, that's good. But Maxi, thanks for sharing that. Um, the reason, yeah, the reason why I asked that is because, uh, you know, a lot of my audience tends to be, uh, college students and young adults who maybe just kind of navigate like, Hey, I'm in the workplace and I just want to know how do I, you know, can best engage my coworkers. And you're right. Relational evangelism is just essential. Like, cause you don't want to see that person as a project. You want to see that person as an actual image bearer of God. Like they're a human being who, you know, has been created by the living God himself. Mm -hmm. And you know, you want to show that you actually care for them and their soul. And so it's important to engage them, not with the intent of just seeing them as a project, like, oh, I want to convert this person. That's not our doing. Mm -hmm. That is a work of the spirit. The spirit is the one that changes hearts, not man. And so I'm glad that you're, you know, you're being friends with this person and continue to grow in that relationship, build that rapport, that equity, like you were saying. And, you know, for you, dear listener, as you're listening to this, like, continue to just uh, be friends with people in your sphere of influence. Like, um, just get to know them, get to s- just spend time with them, just uh, doing what they love. And then from there, naturally, you'll be able to share your faith with them and share why you do what you do. And they're more receptive to hearing from you and more willing to trust you and the mm-hmm. Lord can use that. Um, and then even the Lord can use, you know, any circumstance to help proclaim his name. And so I love that you said that of MXC. Thanks for uh, sharing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will have to say, I am not, I am such a chicken when it comes to mm-hmm. sharing the Lord. I really am like, especially if it's a group, if it's one-on-one and I trust that person, it's easier. But if it's like a group setting or a bigger setting, I am not the person that's going to say something about the Lord. I'm just not. Um, I really have to like, because it's a very vulnerable place. I mean, you're sharing. I mean, for me, it's just, it's very vulnerable. It's the most, it's, it's how I identify. It's like my identity. And so it's it's very, you know, you're afraid that you're going to be rejected. So it is is very hard uh, for me, but. Yeah. But so I can't say I'm good at this in group settings. My brother, on the other hand, is very good at sharing the gospel. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Very good at sharing the gospel. Very good at taking opportunities to share the gospel. And so, yeah. One thing I would say, if it's hard for you to share the gospel, is there's a lot of like gospel tracks out there, like little pieces of paper that basically have like the gospel on them. And I've used those quite frequently. Like if I, you know, if I have them on me, I'll just, and I'm like, donating clothes. I'll give it to the person who takes my clothes. Yeah. Um, or you're at a drive through you give it to them. And granted, you know, you're not sharing with them something directly, but you never know if they'll read that and they'll accept the mm-hmm. Lord. And that's the hope. So even just that, um, that's one way I've been able to kind of get over my fear a little bit, but it's still, it's yeah, it's the fear of rejection is real. Like that's not that I can't lie. Like that's, it's a struggle. It's something I, I, I do struggle with. Yeah. I'm there with you, Vimexi. Like, I'm a campus missionary, dear listener, as you've heard me describe on many episodes. And even then, like, when I go approach students in the union on campus, it's like, I'm terrified. Like, oh, I don't know if I want to talk to this person. Yeah. They'll probably reject me. And, you know, there have been times where I've been rejected. But 
the more I go up to people, the more confident I become. But at the same time, it's terrifying because you don't know how they're going to respond to you. But again, mm-hmm. that I know for me what it does, it gives me boldness and gives me continued trusting in the Lord. Like, no, Lord, you're the one that makes this wow. happen. And so please, by your strength, give me the ability to share your word with this person, share the hope of the gospel. And But Max is right. There's tools out there that you can use. Um, we've shared about one of them on this season. Um, my friend Jenna Dahl, my share pal. Um, look into that. That's an app you can get free on the App Store or Google Play Ooh. Store. There's Knowing God Personally that's made by Crew. There's The Bridge by The Navigators. And then a ministry I've not shared about on this uh, podcast is one by a guy named Ray Comfort. He uh, makes tracks uh, through his company, Living Waters. And so they make all sorts of different tracks. Um, They have the million dollar dollar bill ones that I I actually have a stack of them. And, And so you can even like do something like that. Now, I don't recommend leaving that as a tip. (laughs) <laughs> don't, do, don't do that dear listener that's not a tip that's not money right still tip still your waiter money. still tip your waiter but yes. um but yeah use that just use that as opportunities to be able to share the gospel um mm-hmm. my local church here a few months ago did something called tip your city and so we just you know tipped a lot more than we normally would and mm-hmm. left a little flyer just showing like hey we tipped because we love you we want to bless you and yeah. we did this because of this yeah. reason and so i love that you said that Vimexi. and so let me just go ahead and start wrapping up here um so as, as i said earlier this podcast is mainly towards college students and young adults and so um as you practice your profession um what would you encourage someone who maybe is aspiring or currently a lawyer on how to grow their in their personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe they're going through the same struggles that you face in your workplace as you're working with clients. Like, what would you say to them on how to grow? And then if they're feeling discouraged, what encouraging words would you say to them? Mm, those are, yeah, those are really good questions. Um, I would say, I think this is just one thing. I mean, I already shared about the little conversations with the Lord, but I think something else that I've been thinking about, and actually I just had a conversation with my brother about this. So that's maybe that's why this is on my mind is it kind of goes in hand in hand with praying is learning to depend on the Lord. Not um, it's very easy for us to just do, 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 and go, 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 but just again, the little conversations, like learning to depend on the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, sometimes the Lord, I think will put us in situations where we do fail so that we fail, excuse me, so that we do realize how much we need him. Cause if we were always so successful, maybe we wouldn't have such a strong turn to the Lord. Uh, but when we fail, that's more like, Oh Lord, I really need you. So mm-hmm. I would say just learning to depend on the Lord. Um, I think something else that the Lord, maybe, um, I mean, yeah, somebody who wants to be a lawyer, right. But they, um, they also want to cultivate their personal relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Honestly, the thing is, is that the, you know, I, this is not, this is on the spiritual side. I'm not going to the practical side about things to do to, you know, be able to practice law, you know, in an increasingly better way. So this is on the spiritual side of, um, 
remembering that everything is in everything that we need is in the Lord's life. Everything is in the spirit. And so, um, everything we need is in the spirit because Mm -hmm. the Lord, because the Lord Jesus himself is the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think it's first Corinthians 15, 45 B it says the last Adam became a life giving spirit. Mm -hmm. The last Adam, the last Adam there is referring to Christ because Christ was the last real man because he was crucified. And in the Lord's eyes, all of the old creation died at that moment right? With, with mm-hmm. the Lord, he's the last Adam. And it says he became the life giving spirit. So when we talk to the Lord as the spirit, uh, right. Cause we don't see him. He's a spirit right now. Um, he's also on the throne as a man, but we're not on the throne. We're not in the heavens. So we can't see him, but on the earth, he is the spirit and, um, he's the life giving spirit and everything that we need is in that spirit. And he, it says life giving means he gives us life. So mm-hmm. as long as we're talking to the Lord, we're growing in the Lord, we are meeting with a group of believers, we are in the word, uh, we're fellowshipping, we're praying. I really feel that the Lord will have a way to speak to us and gain what he wants out of us. But it's re- it really comes down to that personal relationship because mm-hmm. um, everything that we need in, in order to be able to grow is, is, is going to be in that spirit. And that the way we experience the spirit is in the relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Um, so I would say that's what I would do is just continue pursuing the Lord, continue pursuing your relationship with the Lord and prioritize it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Like that is essentially it. Like prioritize your relationship with the Lord by abiding in him, which you answer actually my next question about how would you say, you know, what would you tell someone who's practicing law, how to stay tethered to Jesus practically? And it's again, having that constant dependency on the Lord, realizing that, you know, you have the Holy Spirit in you to aid you in your abiding because the Spirit intercedes for you. But even better than that, Jesus himself intercedes for you. As right. it says in Hebrews. And so that, like, if you trust God to help you stay tethered to God, whoa, it, it, right. it shows this, like, we cannot do anything on our own strength. Right. So um, I'm just glad you said that. And so, yeah, thank you again for just sharing all that. And then, yeah, it was really cool to have you on Tether today to share about how you live your life on mission as a lawyer. And so I kind of want to wrap up with some details here. And so um, about, you know, something in my own personal life. So, you know, in my family, personally, dear listener, we've benefited from immigration lawyers ourselves. So I am Hispanic, um, but Mexi's Hispanic, the Mexican completely relate to this. So I'm actually a first generation Hispanic American. My parents immigrated from Central America many years ago and they came seeking a better opportunity. And so we call that term in Spanish salir adelante, which just means getting ahead. And so my mom, you know, came here with you know, her aunt and they wanted to seek a better opportunity here in the States because in their home country at the time, I can't get into all the specifics, but, um, civil war, um, 
it was rough and so but she also wanted to provide a better life for herself and so she came to the states to seek that opportunity and you know through the help of a lawyer she's been able to become a permanent resident here in the states and you know and we're really grateful in my family for the work that immigration lawyers do because there's this motto that hispanics a lot of hispanics live by this and it really started in the 70s with um farm workers trying to protest their rights to fair working wages and all that this term is called si se puede which means yes it is possible kind of a loose way of saying it and so when i think of the work that immigration lawyers do they advocate for their clients in order to help them experience freedom especially as you know the places that they came from have turmoil and that's the same thing with us before christ we lived in the place um that's turmoil and that place is sin and so a place that where we were so dominated by our sinful state that we needed an advocate to plea our case before a holy righteous god because there's nothing we could do in our own effort to make us right before a holy god and so i think of this passage in matthew chapter 19 verses 23 through uh, 26 and this is what it says it says and jesus says to his disciples truly i say to you only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven again i tell you it is easier for an, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven when the disciples heard this they were greatly astonished saying who then can be saved but jesus looked at them and said with man this is impossible but with god all things are possible and so this is in the context of what's uh known as the pat the account of the rich young ruler where jesus is basically sharing with him like this is what you must do to have eternal life you must keep the law and you keep it perfectly okay you kept the law great go sell everything you have and the rich young ruler you know went away sorrowful because he didn't want to give up what he had and so what jesus is getting at here is like it's caught it costs something to follow to follow him and we cannot keep the law at all like only christ could fulfill that law on our behalf and so that's why the disciples are astonished that you know not even a rich person can get into heaven like who then can be saved that's a good question apart from an abiding relationship with jesus no one can be saved right because with man this is impossible but with god si se puede amen si se puede it, it is possible because he made it possible con nosotros hombres no es posible pero con dios todo es posible si se puede which i just said there in, in english i said with man we can't do this but with god it is possible and so and then the salir adelante phrase for me like it's just so important because jesus himself um has made us his own and because we've been made his own we strain forward to what lies ahead and this has come for philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 14 because yeah there's nothing we could do 
but we've been bought with a price. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus. And so, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press it to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Um, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, like in the case of my mom, she left behind turmoil, civil war, and she pressed on or salió adelante towards something that's way better. And then in the case of you, dear listener, you press on towards what lies ahead. And that is the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's God himself. Salir adelante a Jesucristo. Amen. Straight ahead towards Jesus Christ. And so the reason I wanted to end on that note is because, you know, I'm sure you, in your practice, you probably hear that phrases, those phrases a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trying to encourage people like, no, you can do this. Like, we're going to try our best. Like, we're here for you. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to go for this. Yeah. No, for sure. And, and encouraging people. And, and yeah, I, I appreciated, uh, Joey, that you said that, um, you know, ultimately, um, of course, we want people to come to the United States to have a better life, um, especially if they've been uh, persecuted or oppressed in their home country. But really, we know that the true freedom is in Christ Amen. because we we really are we are slaves to sin and we're slaves to Satan when we're not saved. And we really need Christ. He's really our savior. And like you said, this is what Paul pressed towards. This was Paul's prize and so this should be our prize too we should say lord my whole life is to pursue you Mm -hmm. uh no matter what i do this is my real prize is to pursue you and gain you to the fullest extent amen amen well but mexi thank you again for coming on to tethered and it was really awesome just to chat with you today and so and that's it for today and so dear listener um my encouragement to you is Salir adelante a Jesucristo, meaning pursue Jesus, strain towards him. Um, what I mean by that is not workspace because you already have him. So continue to, you know, do to the best of your ability, but also relying, relying on his strength. But with God, si se puede. Remember that. And so thank you again. So on the next episode, I'm going to be interviewing a friend of mine that has a business that he has been you know it's been really successful and he does it around this particular bean that people love to drink and this is coffee and so i'm going to be interviewing a friend of mine who owns a coffee cart in the kansas city area so stay tuned to that and we will see you next time here on tethered y'all have a blessed day see ya you for listening to tethered if you enjoyed this episode please share it with your friends and family please also tap the subscribe button to receive notifications when new episodes are published you can also follow tethered on instagram by clicking on the link in the episode notes hope this episode has encouraged you built you up and blessed you to god be the glory see you next time god bless